And with that, we once again welcome you back into the One Giant Podcast, where, as always, I am Adam Armbrecht, and there is no Andy Makowitz. I kicked him to the curb for this one as we welcome in a very special guest, someone that I I met through an intermediary known as my girlfriend, Courtney Kester. Chad Brown, good sir. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Adam. Yeah, indeed, man. We have some. I'm trying to expand my mind here a little bit for people that don't know, and the and the audience the audience won't know that uh, outside of the Giants podcast, I do some uh, podcast editing work, and one of those projects is uh, the Naked Leadership podcast, which you host uh, along with a couple of colleagues of yours. So, just so, so the people know, what is your background, and what are the projects that you're currently bringing to the table? Yeah, background. Uh, that's interesting. I'll spare you too much there. Uh, but uh, as, as juicy <laughs> details as you can. Give that's right. Well, it was a uh, cold, stormy night in 1983 when. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, you know, it's interesting as it pertains to this conversation and this audience. Um, I have a pretty extensive background in business, so I've owned my own businesses my basically my whole life. Um, there's only been a few small stints of my life where I have worked for somebody else. So with that, usually what happens is business owners are um, they're they're creators first, and you know they're product builders first, and then uh, leaders second. And that's an interesting thing because what happens is if you build a product or a company that works, um, then you are catapulted into being a leader ready or not. Mm. And so, uh, so it's been this, my path has been this uh, path of figuring out how to create a leader out of myself because I'm a creative, I'm a product, I'm an advertising guy first. Like that's my mind. I'm a visual creator uh, doing marketing for brands, that kind of stuff. So I started in film and um, sorry, let me let me turn those notifications off. <laughs> busy man, my bad. Sorry. Um, so started a film business uh, about twelve years ago called Shade Tree Films. We've done work for companies like Volkswagen, Pixar Animation Studios, Target. Uh, really, you know, boosting their online advertising uh, through, uh, events and, uh, content that will allow them to have more presence online. So that's where this, all this journey started for, um, my leadership, my leadership journey. So through that, I quickly realized that, uh, creating videos and running a team in a studio were very, very different. And so I decided I needed outside help and I, I hired a corporate coach somebody who could come in and coach me through running my business, uh, engaging well in my partnership. I had a partner at the time in the business and that was rocky to, to, to say it best or, or, or to, to, to keep it lightly. Um, so anyway, <laughs> all this to say, this set me up for the journey that I'm on now, which is um, that was, I connected with that corporate coach probably about eight years ago, seven or eight years ago in a time of my life where I was about ready to give up my business. Um, and we were doing really well, but I just didn't, it wasn't the life that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And, um, I made up that it was all of these other reasons that I, that it wasn't what I wanted, uh, only to come find out that it was me. I was the common denominator <laughs> and, 
Um, and he invited me into that conversation. And once I jumped in that conversation, I loved it so much. It changed my life um, in ways that I can't describe. Yes, in business, but also as a husband, as a father, uh, as a friend, it, the principles just rang true on all of those things. And so I jumped in full force to start working with them. His name is Adrian Kaler. He's one of my colleagues that's on the podcast, the Naked Leadership Podcast with me. And um, we now coach organizations, CEOs, uh, executive teams, management teams, and help them build the cultures that they want, um, that they say they want. Uh, we really call them to the rug, make them, uh, invite them to be people of their word and, uh, and, and interested in people, not just business. And so that's really what our work is all about. Uh, we get to work with companies like Hyperloop One, which is really fun, very innovative company trying to create, trying to revolutionize the uh, transportation system. We work with Herschel's, uh, Herschel, the backpack company, um, and, uh, and Smarty Pants Vitamins. We've been able to work with their entire executive team. So lots of cool brands and great, great teams doing amazing things. Uh, but like I said, they have always focused on their product and their performance and not so much on their leadership and their culture. And so that's where we come in. Yeah. And that's where, that's where I thought it'd be really interesting to have you on to something that probably on its surface feels like a little bit far afield, right? Uh, we, we solely focus on the podcast on the New York football giants and what's going on day to day with their organization. Really, of course, during the year, are they winning? Are they losing good plays, bad plays, but um, you mentioned a couple of things there in describing it, uh, in describing where you are now in your in your professional career, um, working with ownership that comes into a situation. Uh, for example, you know, the New York Football Giants are owned by a combination of the mayors and the Tishes, two football families, and primarily the mayors have been around in the NFL since the inception in a lot of forms. Uh, now, though, they find themselves in this spot of owning a football team, and one of the tenants of the New York Football Giants is being the gold standard for the NFL, for how you run an organization, how you take care of players, um, how they hold themselves accountable. And yet, over the last handful of years, there's been some some situations where you kind of take a step back and go, huh, you know, are, are they doing all those things that they say? And is it easier sometimes to, to, to write that slogan underneath the company letterhead and then maybe get a little bit far afield of it. So that's where I, I, I was really curious. Um, one of the areas that we'll dive into first and foremost, and I think uh, for Giants fans, this is a very recent one just last year, Eli Manning, who uh, at the very least I'm sure you're familiar with as a name, uh, retired from, from the Giants and from the NFL. They went through a three-year stretch where they wanted to move on but didn't want to do it poorly for their franchise quarterback who had been with this team for 15, 16 years, who had won them two Super Bowls. They tried to both bring in new coaches, but also be in win now mode, say that they knew they needed to get younger, but pay for veteran talent. From, from the onset there, how difficult is it for an owner and maybe for an ownership group to make a decision about how they want to change directions for a company and and execute on it and not get caught maybe in the old habits and the old ways, because that's a lot of what it looked like the Giants struggled with was we've done things a very certain way for a long time. 
It won us championships. So that's the ultimate goal in this area of business. And now we're trying to pivot. We're trying to modernize, and yet we're having a hard time not dragging our feet. And that feel, this feels like, as a, for, for visuals out there, Chad's having a chuckle because I feel like this is something that's universal to business in general. Absolutely. I mean, we see this all the time. You know, there's there's a couple of distinctions here, and that's what our work is all about, is making distinctions, really dissecting the way that we're interacting with each other. That includes communication, what our intentions are compared to what our actual impact is, Hmm. right? So intentions, we can have good intentions. We can have I don't even like putting a value on it, but we can have an intention for certain things, right? So as you talk about, like, we have this intention to uh, have a younger organization. And, you know, we've, we're have we a little bit tired here of our face and what's what's been going on, but yet we still value what this player has brought to us. We still value the, the, the contribution. So the question then becomes, can you hold both? Right. Because what I'm hearing you say is that these sound in opposition to each other. Mm -hmm. We want to honor him, but yet we need to move on. And that's that's what they suffered with. Yeah. Yeah. And to most organizations, that looks like a dilemma. But I I would come in as somebody who has an outside perspective and would want to challenge that dual dual thinking of you know, there is this anytime when I, I'm working with a client, a leader, some sort of executive or manager, and they present to me two things that are in opposition. My first question to them is, well, what else is possible? Because hmm. we don't often think about in those terms. It's like either or. Right. And how can we turn this into a yes and? So I'm not intimately familiar. I mean, I know like the high level details of the of the situation that you're talking about. But I think um, when you have a leader who is committed to both uh, performance and vision, but also people that opportunities present themselves that aren't typically seen. Hmm. Right. And so when you can hold both spaces, when you're both committed to performance, which for most of my clients, that looks like profit, growth, market share, that kind of stuff. But you're also committed to people. Um, then you show up in a way that uh, you're curious about what's happening. You know, and one of the interesting things about that you're talking about is communication as well. But, you know, talking about, okay, you can, the opportunity for what maybe you don't realize. And I think when you look back on this particular instance with Eli Manning, they went ahead and had, uh, at the time, had an offensive coordinator, very talented, very talented coordinator. Didn't want to lose him. So they moved on from the head coach and promoted that coordinator. But it was a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to saying, we don't want to lose this guy. Then you see things kind of start to unravel with that head coach. Now they know they're pivoting again. And all the while in the background, it's, it's about, hey, this rebuild is coming. And the sense that you got publicly was by, on the back end, if it was, you know, what you never did was brought in Eli Manning and said, hey, here's what we're experiencing behind closed doors. Here's the issues that we're about to run into over the next two or three years. And we get where you're at. You know, we, under, we understand where you're in your career. We want to keep valuing you. But this is the heads up. This is the cards on the table. And uh, on the back end of his retirement, Eli Manning said he never wanted to play for another organization. 
But at the very least, it, what it sounds like is you could have done yourself a great service by saying, we're probably going to struggle. So, you know, this company is going to struggle for the next handful of years. If you're okay with that, then we're more than happy to have you here. But if you're not, we can do things to, in this instance, trade you, move you, you know, see what's possible for us because otherwise what ended up happening. And even though um, you can talk about the classiness of, of individuals or companies, Eli Manning never had a bad word to say, but you could tell the last handful of years was very much him being like, boy, you know, you hung me out to dry here from a, from players around me standpoint, you, you hung me out to dry from having an opportunity to win later in my career. And then by the end of it, it basically became a push came to shove. They drafted a young rookie quarterback. He was going to be the future. And it was Eli Manning's choice to say, okay, I don't want to go somewhere else and try to, you know, reboot my career a little bit. I'll go ahead and retire as a giant, as I always wanted to. So that's, you know, what you're speaking to is the open dialogue, which whether on a company level or on a personal level is not always the easiest thing, right? It's not always easy to say, let me just be honest with you. No, it's not the easiest thing, but uh, nothing worthwhile is born out of ease. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not, and that's not easy to say for some people, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. And when you, you started the conversation and that they're trying to be the gold standard for the NFL. Right. And so I'm sure they're making up so many things about what that looks like. What do they have to do to be the golden standard? And if that is the vision, um, I would be interesting for me to understand what it is that they're making up about what that looks like. My guess is that they, they're making up that that, uh, can we swear on this podcast or no? Oh, we sure can. Okay, great. So what I'm, what I'm assuming, and this is totally an assumption without having a conversation that I'll never have, obviously, but without having a conversation with them, I'm assuming what they, what they're making up is that being the gold standard of the NFL is always having your shit together. Mm -hmm. always knowing exactly what you're up to, which is an unachievable standard from my perspective. And this is, this is the plague that we come up against with every single executive team. They make up that being a good executive and leader is having the answer all the time. Sometimes that is born out of results that maybe aren't connected to what you were doing. So the Giants have, in the late 80s, early not, you know, in the 90s, they had two recent Super Bowls with Eli Manning at the helm. They've won championships. Mm -hmm. So the byproduct is saying, well, we've been doing everything right because we've won championships. But the in-between years, the other decisions that fell by the wayside, very much that they do. They get swept under the rug. You go, yeah, but we won a championship. So we must be doing everything right, as opposed to maybe being in that constant state of evaluation around those things to know that was it a little bit of a happy accident that we achieved some things that we hoped we were going to. And then, yeah, we end up doing it and it goes, well, we must check off the boxes. We did it friends. Yeah. It's uh, you know, that brings me, that reminds me back or, or brings me back to the idea of curiosity, right? When we think we know who we're working with, when we think, mm -hmm. when we make up the idea that we know what we're doing, we know who we're working with, that's when a lot of things get put under the table. We talk about this idea all the time about um, it's easy to talk about the things that are on top of the table. In a, you know, and, and 
imagine like a boardroom or something like that. You have all of these things and this is like numbers, statistics, how, who's doing what, how's this department doing? That's, those are the things on top of the table. Nobody's having a conversation about the conversation, which is under the table saying, well, we may not know here. So if we get curious and we invite Eli Manning or whoever it is into this conversation, especially if you actually want to honor them, like if you, if, if your, if your intention was to actually honor the service that they've given and you think they've been a good addition to the franchise, the least you can do is get curious about what they think or what that, how they perceive the current situation. Right. What would satisfy them? What would make them feel valued, even if it is in this transition away from them? Well, what would make them feel valued? And he's been in the game a long time. He can see things that they can't see, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, from his perspective. So it's always more, it's always valuable to have uh, more voices at the table that have experience and that you want to invest in. And, but it's being willing to hear those voices. And, you know, when we talk about leadership, a lot of times leadership looks like, one person all the time, mm. right? We refer to them as a leader. So you would look, you would look to the coaches, you would look to the owners, you would look to the managers and they're the leaders, but that's not really how leadership happens. Leadership is a relay where everybody in the organization leads at one time or another. And being willing to hand off that baton and know when to hand off that baton is a really crucial part of having a successful organization. Well, and so that's uh, I want that's exactly where I want to get to in a second because the Giants hired in a new head coach. They still have the same GM the last couple of years, but uh, second year quarterback, a lot of young talent. They've they've tried to turn that page finally. But before I touch on on those connections from ownership to GM to head coach to coordinators to players you mentioned that on the table versus below the table and in this offseason there's been a couple of things already that have come up for the Giants you have one young player uh who was involved allegedly in an incident uh with a a robbery scenario down in Florida seems like those charges are going to go away that feels like a very on the surface thing though you know this is an incident that's occurring and you can evaluate that and make your decision around it uh the kicker now recently was just uh, detained by the police officially for allegedly driving while under the influence, speeding, getting involved in a car accident. But you go back a couple of years and there was the Odell Beckham scenario. And that's where to me, on the surface, it was this player that was an incredible talent, no nothing illegal, you know, no issues with the law or anything like that. But the on the table stuff was this guy likes to be involved in kind of cheeky shenanigans, whether it's on the field, locker room, conversations in the press, maybe getting a little bit uh, combative towards coaches or towards other players and about what the expectations are, because he valued himself as the as the number one on the team. Those things being indicative of the under the table issue. What's going on the table? And I should tell you there's probably something more to be concerned with and ignoring it. 
and, 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 you know, being able to gloss over it because it's easy to be very connected to the glaring thing, right? An arrest, uh, an allegation. Okay, these are surface things. We can address those head on. Whereas some of those smaller items that don't seem like a big deal, but are more indicative of what could be happening below because they signed into a contract, an extension for, uh, I think, $97 million. And then within a couple of months, traded them. And it felt like those couple of months were the window where they went, ah, those are that. Ah, they're silly things, though. He'll get over those things. We'll move past those things. He's immature. A couple months later, you maybe come to think, or maybe that is who this person is. Finding that balance, I guess. This is a real, this is, I, I went ahead and led you around the table and pointed at a lot of cups and plates and, and utensils that were out there to say, how do you realize? How do you how do you know what's under the surface, or how do you make yourself aware of those things? Because it, that's what felt like in a lot of ways the Giants were doing this very active learning, which isn't a bad thing, but also requires you to say, "Misstep here, let's try to walk that back and correct it. Misstep there, let's walk it back and correct it." And that's what's created very unevenness over three or four years for the Giants, where it took them probably twice as long to get to the same destination of rebooting themselves and, and getting back to what they consider to be that standard that they hold themselves to. Yeah. I mean, as we look at organizations, recruitment, uh, getting meaning, getting the right effective recruitment, getting the right people in the right place mm-hmm. is one of the things that's, that, that companies or organizations that we work with struggle with. In fact, when we, when we do our, our interview, uh, our entry interview with them, um, and we ask them what what they think they struggle most with, they will almost always tell us getting the right people in the right positions the first time. And it's incredibly expensive to put somebody in a place and then find out later that they're not the right person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have a lot of tools that are really uh, powerful tools that we use for a company to figure this out. But the tools are nothing unless you know what you're committed to. Right. Using using the tools in the wrong way doesn't doesn't build the right project. Right. 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 And and having a clear vision about what your organization is committed to is the only way that you're going to get the right people in the right place the, the first time. Because you're so clear on who you are and what you're committed to for both yourself, your family, your organization, all of that kind of stuff. Then once you're clear on that. You can create a set of commitments that anybody who's going to engage with my organization is also going to have to toe the line with. Mm. And they know that from the beginning. And this is this is the biggest mistake that we see, especially even for me, I'll speak personally from my experience in owning businesses as I've, you know, had to fire people and rehire people and like all of this sort of stuff. And like me, all of the contention that I had with the people that worked for me and worked with me is that I was not clear on my commitment to them and what their commitment to me in the organization was mm. from the beginning. And so we help organizations get super hyper, hyper clear on what it means to be a player in this organization. Right. Yeah. And, and that it, it feels like, um, and I, I wonder if there's that background on your end of it of saying, when someone seems so talented at what they do, you're willing to maybe forego that they're not quite actually the, the, the type of person that they don't quite have the convictions or, or, or align with the kind of standards. And you're willing to say, I wow, look at the results. 
The results yeah. are strong and good results in the short term. And in this scenario, receptions, touchdowns, right? Um, uh, for a guy like Odell Beckham Jr., in the short term are flashy and they get you excited. And then in the long term, you don't see, in this case, wins. You don't see playoff success. And then you, and then you start to go backwards and say, oh, right. What was the thing? What was the thing that we chose not to acknowledge at the time? Because what a shiny toy that we have here. Yeah, we have to re- rewrite the hierarchy of needs, right? So any organization that's looking to add somebody to their organization, they have a hierarchy of needs. And most when we come in at the very top of their hierarchy is talent, talent and experience. And we come in and we invite them into a conversation about rewriting that hierarchy of needs. Is it possible that talent and experience are not at the top of that list? Is it possible that radical openness and willing to uh, like mostly just like radical openness, is it, is it possible that that's more important at this moment than talent Yes, that's a talent. I'm not saying talent's not important. I'm not saying that experience is not important. Those can add to what you're up to. But if you have an extremely talented and experienced player who is completely closed to leadership, to new ideas, to collaboration, to, you know, uh, b- like working well with others, the talent and the experience is a waste. Yeah, and that, that, that really feels like what the, that that's what that's what they experience firsthand. All the talent in the world in this individual, but none of the willingness to be the person that would essentially elevate everybody else, right? Make everyone else better around you because you are so talented. Your natural gifts are already there. You don't have to worry about getting better in these areas. But how can you use those things to, you know, in this case, make the other receivers better? Mm-hmm. Right, improve the defensive play for this team. How do you help the cornerbacks be better defenders when they're on the field because you're so good and you can talk to them about route running and how a, how a receiver might try to get off of a jam at the line of scrimmage? All those little fine details that, in this particular instance, was a guy who just wasn't terribly interested in those things and was more concerned about saying, Look what I did, I'm not the problem. Every, everybody, some the problem's somewhere else. It's not me. Look at my stats, I've done it. So, you know, you need to figure out. Who, who isn't doing their job well, as opposed to asking if there's more that I could be doing. Yeah. When you think about talent and experience, uh, neither of those make you a good leader or a good follower. Mm. They're important. Like I said, you can't overlook it. You need good players. You need You need experience on the field. But how are you going to gauge whether or not they're going to lead and follow well? One of the things that we saw, as we'll start to kind of take a look a little bit at this new coaching regime that's come in now. So in the offseason, the Giants went ahead and they brought in Blake Martinez from the Packers. And the reason why they brought him in was he's going to be able to lead the defensive side of the ball. He knows where all the players are supposed to be. He's going to be the the green dot, as they say in the NFL, who receives the play calling uh, from the sideline from the coaches. So a position of value and need and going out and getting a guy that, by the way, if you go inside the stats, he has some some nice stat lines, but everyone says doesn't have the best physical skill set necessarily. But he offers you a ton of leadership. You move inside the draft for the Giants. In the later rounds, a guy that anyone who listens to the podcast will know, Carter Coughlin. Giants took him at the back end of this draft. He's a linebacker. 
They, you know, he says he runs a little stiff, not necessarily the quickest, all these little things. But what he also was was a team captain. So is the guy, so is the linebacker Cam Brown, another team captain. And what you really saw from the Giants and from new head coach Joe Judge, who I think became more heavily involved in that process than maybe coaches in the past, was I want leadership guys. I want guys that understand what it means to one, be one component of a unit, and also what it means to make people better around you. Because if you get a collection of guys, even if you're not, like Carter Coughlin or like Cam Brown, these guys aren't going to be starters for the Giants. They were leaders in college, but they'll also know how to follow the veteran player. They'll know how to support the guy that's leading the team. And all you end up doing is creating at every tier as you move through the starters and then you know reserves, backups, all those, all those levels of the team, in my mind anyway, you start to see how, well, this is how you get cohesion. This is how you get a collection of people that all want to pull in the same direction because at each level you have an individual that says, oh yeah, I, I know what it is to lead. I know what it is to, to be supportive of whatever the agenda is. You're still going to get everyone towing that same quote company line. And I don't think you want, we've had, well, I'll say I, I've listened to your podcast that I've edited and heard these conversations where it's not just about blindly following but understanding what, what is the theme, what is the thread of our company, what is the thread of our business and what we want to accomplish, and making sure that everyone is actively taking part in their role in that, whatever they're identified to, making sure that they're serving that role. And that's something that seems to be the shift for the Giants, particularly this offseason and through the draft, is this is this changeover of saying, okay, it can't just be superstar talent that leads by example, quote unquote, puts up the stats and says, what are you guys doing? We need it to be that collectively every player on the 53-man roster wants to achieve the same goal. Yeah, I think what I hear you talking about is legacy building. Um, it's, it's great to win a game. It's even great to win a season. Uh, and we talk about this with executives all the time. Like It's great to have a big win with a, with a single product. Or it's great to land one big client, like a like a Super Bowl client. Right. But but the thing is, is if you're not committed to your legacy, to building a legacy, and understanding what that legacy is that you're that you're working to create as a team, you're going to have these one-off wins. But after the one-off win, you're back at square one. Mm -hmm. You know, and that comes with everybody agreeing and being committed to the legacy that that you're building and being open to uh dissenting voices to uh problems to other people's perspectives that are on in the organization and and i think that's you know most of the time organizations are built on leadership that think they have to have the answers that they then pass on to the minions and the minions carry it out mm. when in reality that's not how you build a legacy. That is a story for starting over, over and over and over again. If you want to build a legacy, if you want to create an organization that carries a legacy of both winning, but also investing in human people, like human beings, both people in the organization and those who uh, support the organization through, as we're talking about football, watching and buying merchandise and feeling like this is their home team. It's it's much more about legacy building than it is about 
finding the guy who's going to win you the next game and the next Super Bowl. And that is an entire hierarchy, or, or I don't even like hierarchy because I'm more vertical leadership kind of guy rather than leader, leader, ladder leadership or mm-hmm. pyramid leadership. But that is having people in the organization on every part of the spectrum, spec, spectrum of leadership that will invest in each other. Right? Yeah. That's having your older players who are still curious, who are still willing to learn from the younger players, from the coaches, from the management, but also having the younger players who are willing to come in and also give their experience, but learn from the older players, the management, the coaches, having coaches who are willing to learn from the perspective of a new player or a mm-hmm. legendary player. And so you see this theme is like, for me, when I come in an organization, my priority number one is how do we get everybody curious about the experience of the other? How do we get everybody curious about what they don't know they don't know? Mm, that's one. Of, that's, uh, that's one that you've used on 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 some of the Naked Leadership podcasts of not knowing what you don't know or being you know willing being willing to admit that you don't know what you don't know. And then you touched on one of the things about experience and and having the veteran players that you want to touch on. This is what we'll we'll get you out the door here on this one. Um, exper- trusting the experience of older players, having older players be willing to still want to learn and, and gain more information so they can be better and also pass on that knowledge. The Giants made this shift, new head coach this offseason. Uh, they also brought in new coordinators across the board. Head coach Joe Judge is a first-time head coach. He was a special teams coordinator for the Patriots prior. But they brought in a defensive coordinator and an offensive coordinator that have a lot of experience. And the offensive coordinator, they brought in Jason Garrett, who was the head coach, I think, for eight years for the Dallas Cowboys. That, to me, speaks to this idea of, okay, we like this young mind. We want to go in this new direction, but we also want to provide him with knowledge with experience, with a security blanket to say, hey, go out there. We want you to take the reins on this thing. And also know that if you all of a sudden run into a block, whether it's communicating with a player or it's you know scheme, any of those kind of things, that you have reliable resources. And that has also felt like something that the Giants failed to do over a number of years. And I think that's something else that you spoke to is setting people up to succeed, not, not putting them on this precipice of failure and seeing if they can somehow grab onto that lifeline and survive that first level of transition into these new areas. So um, there wasn't a question in there, Chad, but, but, the, <laughs> but, but what is that, you know, how, how important is that though, from an, or, you know, an organizational standpoint to, to find that kind of balance in, in, and I guess this, you know, we talk about honoring players it's the same thing about coaches, right? When you, and this is this ties into what you said earlier about passing down that message, trusting Dave Gettleman, the GM, to, to find us the right head coach here. And then we're trusting Gettleman to both tell Joe Judge what he wants and also listen to what Joe Judge is saying because you've identified someone that has value. So you can't both say, I value you, but I also don't want to hear from you. Yeah, so there's a, a, it's really a great question and an interesting topic. And what I want to look at is what are the, what's their goal uh, in their communication, in their actions, in everything as a leader or as a player, as a follower, whatever it is, uh, whatever their, whatever position they're in at the moment, what is their goal? Is it to prove if they're there to prove themselves 
or if they're there to learn. In mm-hmm. every single organization, every single team, what our one of our goals is uh, very early on is to figure out who is there to prove and who is there to learn. Just because you're there to learn doesn't mean you don't bring an expertise and a talent to the table that's vital to the to the organization. Yes, that is there, and you know that. But if you're there to prove, your actions will um, will stifle um, the opinions and the contributions of others in the organization. But if you're there to mm-hmm. learn, your actions will highlight and elevate other people in the organization and on the team. And so we want to quickly know who are the players that are there to prove themselves and who are the who are the players that are there to learn more about themselves and more about the team and more about the mission. And when I say prove yourselves, of course you have to work hard. Of course you have to like create results. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a way of being when everything when nothing is your fault, when when nothing bad is your fault and everything good is is your doing. That's what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. proving, right? And so um, it's we want to identify those players immediately. Also, I will say, as we work with recruitment teams um, that are looking for, to recruit talent for the company, one thing that we always want to focus on is um, – Hiring people that can do it better than you can. So mm. when you talk about like a younger head coach having a, I don't remember if it was offensive or defensive coordinator, an, an, an older, more experienced uh, coordinator and working with them, like, of course, why wouldn't you? Like hire somebody well, who, and I- who can do this better than you can and let them do their work. You know, and I thought about when you said that, I mean, the first I thought about was editing your podcast and seeing you with Adrian and with Dan. And the, the, the first thing that I thought, well, the first thing might be a, a bit of a, a bit of a reach. But one of the things that I noticed was, oh, look at how there's this age disparity between Dan and Adrian and a little bit between you and Adrian. Right. And I don't mean that negatively. I mean that, man, I know just from listening to the podcast that boy Dan, Dan has a wealth of knowledge. And why would why would you say I want to start this thing, but what I love to do is get two people that know that have zero experience maybe in this field, and that doesn't mean that having young, you know, having someone that wants to learn, like you said, that's valuable. But the idea that you wouldn't want to bring in someone which just has this what forty years worth of I think of experience, if I'm not mistaken, about Dan, and just say like, man, what a resource. Why, why would I say, hey, you know what, man? I'd rather just close this door over here and not access you, even though you're more than willing to share it with me in lieu of me being the end-all be-all, right? Me being the standard so that I can, whatever, get all the accolades around it or because I'm so headstrong that I think I'm going to be able to do this on my own. But to close out on that idea of legacy, it's a tricky thing, maybe unlike some other businesses where, you can have longevity over a 20-year stretch and say, we want to consistently get better and continue to grow. In the NFL, it obviously is wins and losses, right? Championships. But when you look at a team that's also been around a long time in the Pittsburgh Steelers, they've managed to do this thing. They've always had this, they've had the same head coach for a long time. They've done a great job keeping long-term head coaches. 
And then everything rotates underneath them steadily. And they've been a playoff team consistently. They don't fall too low. They've got, they've won championships and they've also come up short sometimes, but the consistency has always been there. And that feels like that's that thing of, yep, bring in some talent, guys that are willing to learn players that are committed to the process and and trust that. And it'll be interesting to see if the giants can accomplish that goal now of saying, right, how, how do we get back to being this even keel? And at times we'll peak at times a young, a young talent in our organization is going to rise up and help us achieve something we didn't think we were going to. And then on the back side of it, we come right back down to where we were, where everyone is still pulling in that same direction, as opposed to some of these peaks and valleys that you see sometimes. And I mean, and do you see that organizationally you know, outside of sports? I mean, do you see that with companies where the big splash product maybe pulls them away from what has been quality, consistent thinking? as far as how they want to run things and maybe they get the flash, the, you know, the, the big paycheck maybe takes them away from staying at their core values. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of our works is to take CEOs from the, the, uh, the space of getting a bunch of little wins to back to the space of the legacy. What is the legacy of the company? Overall, what is the company committed to? Because as we get more in touch with that and create more consistency, create more longevity with our people, right? It's ex- turnover is expensive and launches are expensive. All of these things that like give us those like the idea that we're making progress progress because we have little wins here and there um, or, or a big win here and there. We want to get them back to the space of, okay, let's think long-term. What are we about? Like what serves our people? And the pro that I'm assuming there's, there's this issue in sports as well, but you know, anytime we're working with a, um, a company that has investors, they want to see win after win, after win, after win. And it's just not possible. It's not sustainable. I'm. I, I, it's just not. I mean, we have, and even if we look at sports now, we have plenty of time in professional sports to look back and see nobody wins all the time. Yeah. And I get as a fan, like we want win after win after win after win. But when that's the focus, when the next win is is the focus, we lose sight of the legacy. We lose sight of what we're really about that's going to give us more wins, more championships, more uh, home run products in the long term. Yeah, and I will say it's tricky. I think in sports it's tricky because the cycle is condensed sometimes more, right? Yeah. You only have so many years with a quality player. You know, it's not – right. you don't have 30 years of, well, well, we'll let Chad rise up through the company and eventually he'll become our CEO and lead us. No. Unfortunately, the 65-year-old quarterback is not yet, you know, depending on, on how technology goes, advances in <laughs> science. But, you know, but that's not going to be possible. So that's the, that is, I think, the, the very unique thing about sports and, and trying to balance those things while still, as you said, building, building legacy. And that's something that I think the Giants spent a long time building. And then just, you know, you fall away from these things. Mm-hmm. And, 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 again, one of the things that I picked up from listening to, to your podcast is just being willing to say, oh, made a mistake there you know we've been on the wrong track it's okay to to acknowledge that you've gotten off track and find your way back to the goals to the legacy that you want to be building 
and make the adjustments that you need to in order to get there. Uh, we are, of course, coming up on it because I, I, I thought I was going to get you out of here about 20 minutes ago. That's fine. That's fine, friends. Um, Listen, the reason, again, I said at the top, the reason why I wanted to do this was because I've been listening to Chad Brown's Naked, the Naked Leadership podcast uh, along with Adrian and Dan. It, it really is. If you're, if you're a business owner or if you're just – because a lot of this stuff is human. A lot, of, a lot of what you guys talk about is human interaction and valuing the voices of individuals and being willing to engage in things that maybe don't feel like the most natural element of running a business or an organization – but ultimately are the the cornerstones of having successful working relationships, having successful businesses. And I don't know, in a lot of ways, one of the biggest things I, I, I take away from, from editing the podcast and then listening to it as a, as a byproduct is being a better person, you know, being a better individual. And those qualities just then seem to bleed positively into all areas of life, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, it is the science of being human. That's what we call it. Um, and there is a science. And, you know, you talked about uh, taking the opportunity to take a look at where you actually are, not where you wish you were. You know, and that's what I hear you talking about in the, posi- the, the position of the Giants are in right now is that there's a, there's a place where they wish they were. And there's a place where they actually are. And if you're, if you're, disillusioned by where you want to be, you're unable to look at where you are. But Mm -hmm. looking at where you are, like locating yourself, we call it like current reality, getting a location on yourself currently or your organization. And that's one thing that we run into all the time with CEOs and executive teams is they're so disillusioned of by where they think they should be, that they're unable to look at where they are. And, you know, if I'm in San Francisco, and I want to get to New York, uh, but I don't know that I'm in San Francisco. Like, I don't know where I'm starting from. I, I don't know book that flight from Chicago. There's no way to get there. Nope. Right. And, um, or, or if I'm, you know, if I want, if I want to think that I'm in San Francisco, but I'm actually in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I want to get to New York, that's going to be another problem too. Right. I'm disillusioned by where I'm actually at. And so that's that's my that's you know with organizations with CEOs with with executive teams we have to get super clear on where are we are where are we now and once we're clear on that then we can make a plan to get to where we want to be Man I, I for Giants fans I think that that's one of the most poignant things that that we talked about here is the Giants failing to understand where they currently were so that they could make the right steps to get to where they wanted to be instead making missteps because they were disillusioned about where they currently stood. You thought you were a much more competitive team. So you make decisions and you sign contracts based on we're almost there. We can win a championship. And then you win three games and you go, huh, I, I, we, we may have missed the mark on that. Uh, all right. We're out, we're out the door here. Let, let people know where can they find you beyond the naked leadership podcast, which I highly recommend everyone go check out regardless of, of what field or industry you're in. It's just really fantastic conversations that you're having over there. Anything else you want people to know? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, that's a great place to go if you're obviously you're a podcast listener and you want to know more about leadership, even how to all the principles apply across the board. There's no difference when you're leading a company, when you're a part of a family, when you have friends, uh, you know, or just living with other human beings, the principles apply. Uh, so you can go check it out there. I'm on Facebook. I'm really active on Facebook. 
Um, you can connect with me there. I talk a lot about leadership there uh, and, a, and a handful of other things. I have a YouTube channel called Legacy Goods. You could check that out if you want to as well. Uh, that's where I help people be more mindful about the things that they buy because um, I think that's the key to making the change in the world that we want to see. And uh, yeah, there's a few different places. Chad Brown, man, find him. He's out there. He's out there doing good things. Thank you so much for joining me for a really unique conversation. I hope that all the listeners really enjoy it. Uh, that'll do it for us here on another episode of the One Giant Podcast. And as Andy Makowitz would like you to know, let's go Big Blue.